I got it. Thank you. No worries. I'm recording as well, Paul. So you take it away if you okay. want. Okay. Okay, Len. So um, what I was going to ask you is, um, I was looking at the website earlier, and the story about the the airport um, when you kind of had that breakthrough moment, uh, perhaps sparked the idea of getting into the shoe design or creating um, a, a shoe. So I was going to say, why don't you why don't you tell us about that and how it how it first um, struck you that you should get involved with uh, with making your own shoes? Well, okay, so so I had been running recreationally in college. Uh, you know, as a as an avid as an avid participant in the whole running boom of that era, and at the same time, um, I was doing computer work and and flying all over the country, out of O'Hare Airport in Chicago. And the lower level of O'Hare has had at the time five Dunlop moving rubber sidewalks. Okay. And 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 I, I found out. One, one day the equipment bay was open and I, I asked the guy, you know, about the mechanics and, and he was showing me how they tension those things to 3000 pounds. Okay. Over the full, you know, 250 foot length of the thing, roughly. And yeah. it's made by Dunlop, you know? Um, and I always noticed walking, you know, to and from my car in the parking level that the thing felt, you know, <laughs> very suspended. It felt, it, I mean, not unlike a really good reclaimed rubber track, you know, yeah. but five times better, literally way better. And I always had the thought, wow, you know, if I could have this thing stretch out, you know, miles, what an incredible <laughs> run that would be. And I had that observation several times. And one evening I thought, I think this was 97. I had completed my first marathon a couple of years ago and done a marathon every year since. Um, one evening I had the thought, well, on a weekend, I'm just going to take some Gatorade, you know, and a towel and, <laughs> and my gear. And I'm going to go down to the airport. I didn't have anywhere to fly to. Uh, I'm going to try running on this belt. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I put my, and, and when I got there, they were all shut off. They weren't moving. And I asked, and there were, there, there were guys at the equipment closet, you know, I said, Hey, do you care if I run on this thing? And this was before nine 11. They were like, yeah, whatever floats your boat. You know, we don't care. Um, so I put my stuff down and I took my shoes off and I started running on the thing. And there were five belts with, you know, like 35 feet of marble in between them, you know, but then the, the 200 ish foot belt. Um, and I, I settled into a rhythm and was running across the belt, sort of skipping across the marble. As soon as I would hit the belt again, I would pick up the pace, you know, like hit it. It was a little bit like interval training. Um, but I settled into a rhythm and about an hour into it, okay, and, and you give an engineer an, an hour to think about something, you know, while they're focused on it, it's like, you're really going to, you're really going to internalize the experience. About an hour into it, I was realizing, wow, you know, there's something going on here that I've never experienced running before, that I've never mm -hmm. seen running before. There's something about this that's really magical. And I had all the laps figured out and the timing and I'm closing in on a half marathon. Okay. Um, you know, which for me is normally like a, 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 a two twenty kind of a thing. And I was coming in just over two, just over two. Uh, and I'm thinking, I, I don't really feel particularly stressed. It's not like I'm killing myself here. I'm running at a brisk, you know, 
good pace, but not really race pace. I'm not trying to. Um, and I, I, I closed in on the half marathon and finished it. And I stopped and I'm like that right then and there, that was such an epiphany that I had the thought, I've got to figure out a way to put this, whatever this is into a shoe, into a shoe. And, and so that, that was literally a clean sheet of paper. It's like, you know, cause I'm running barefoot. I don't have anything on my feet. I'm running on this belt. I can't, I can't take that and, and put it in, in my training area, you know? I've got mm. a way of taking that and putting it on my feet. And, and did you believe that most of the the kind of the effect came from the the, the tension of the belt rather than the material? Oh yeah, so the was, material was just like higher material. Yeah, not, you know when you and I, I got down in the equipment bay. I I, I I took some pictures, but I I don't even know if I could find them anymore. But you know the belt was only about three quarters of an inch thick. You know? Yeah. Uh, built like a tire with fabric in it and rubber and it was not really hard rubber it was a little bit soft you know you mm -hmm. could run on it barefoot and it felt comfortable had grooves in it you know for traction or whatever um collecting dirt i don't know um yeah so it was the tension there the, yeah. the, there was nothing under the belt except for rollers on either side and then the belt stretched across the middle and everyone would tend to go down the middle of this belt and so yeah. it was that 3,000 pounds of tension, you know, that, that mm. in running on it, it didn't really sag that much. It only sagged, you know, two, three centimeters. But the, the, the experience of it was that I was coming off of it. I would land and come off of it almost as energetically as I landed. It was highly energy efficient mm. in a running mode. And so, and so that, that, that got me looking at my footwear, you know, the running shoes I was using. And, um, and in 95, I had gotten in that first marathon that I ever completed, I had gotten a pretty significant Achilles tendon injury um, that, you know, I, I, I bred knife shoes apart ever since college, you know, yeah. just to see what, why is this shoe working? Why is this one not working? You know? Um, and I bread knifed that expensive new, fairly new shoe apart. And it was so full of structure that, you know, that, that it, it, it was never, it was never going to be flexible in the forefoot. It was always going to cause me an Achilles injury. And I thought, yeah. well, and I was down in Florida. I was down in Florida in, in 95 with my brother. I'm jumping backwards from the belt right now. I was down in Florida visiting my brother, the aerospace engineer. And when I cut the shoe apart, you know, in a fit of, of annoyance with it, um, I said, I could do better than this. I could do better than this, than what this big company has done. And, and he sat there in, in all seriousness. He goes, if you think you can, you should try. Here we are. Here and we so are. When, when did the first kind of, what was the, what year was it when a shoe that you'd kind of created, when was that first? Um, you know, we've got the, 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 the new yeah. model yeah. due soon, but when was the first time you laced on a pair of shoes that you'd kind of essentially created a concept for? Um, when did that happen? Okay, so so that first marathon was in 95. I ran on the belt in 97. I was sending off, I was sending, you know, mail asking for biomechanical test papers from different researchers. I had, mm. I had amassed a whole collection of those and was starting to put together thoughts about what works in running, you know, the biomechanics of running and what wasn't working. And I was talking to elite 
racers, you know, at the races I would go to, I'd go talk to the, the front runners, you know, and ask them questions about their shoes. Um, mm -hmm. And so believe it or not, okay, in the middle of all this time frame, I'm skydiving heavily. And, and I had this idea about a very high volume air shoe. So I think it was maybe 99. Um, look at this. Here's a, here's a period Nike shoe, okay? But look at that. It's got, a, it's got an inch thick air midsole on it. Right. And, and I ran it and, and you know, and, and you, you, you inflate this thing, okay? To 16, oh, okay. 16 pounds or so. And um, I ran a couple of 10Ks on it. And I ran a couple of 10Ks and, it, and it, it was okay. It worked okay. You know, it was giving me a little bit of what that belt was giving me, but not, not, yeah. certainly not all of it. And it was heavy and it was sensitive to air pressure. So that wasn't the way, that wasn't it. Yeah. But that was the first shoe that I built. Um, then I went through a whole bunch of other prototypes, you know, um, like, you know, shoes with cut in half racquetballs on them, you know? Yes, yeah. Looking, looking at that kind of a resiliency. Um, hmm. And then I, then I ordered uh, a roll from Hexel. I ordered a roll of pre-preg composite, you know, pre-impregnated composite and sanded my own forms, shaped and sanded my own forms. And I built this guy. Okay. And I built an ellipse out of, out of, out of fiberglass. And this wasn't the first one. The first ones were smaller and, and, um, and weren't giving me what I wanted, but I ended up uh, going to a trade show and talking with some ski racing engineers about, and, and remember I was ski racing through, yeah. through, through this period as well. Um, and at a fairly high level. And I was talking to these guys about, you know, how do you get, how do you get good edge hold? How do you get good edge hold on a race course going downhill fast? You know, how do you build the ski for that kind of torsional stability? Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, ski geeks. They were sharing all of these ideas. I put it all into these guys. I put those ideas into these and that allowed me to make them larger. Okay. Deeper, mm -hmm. longer, larger. Um, and you know, you, I mean, you can't even squeeze this thing with your fingers, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but at the same time, okay, when you put your full body weight on it, it's very sure. vertically compliant. Okay. Well, this is the, this is a thing. A lot of people think that a shoe needs to be so squashy. They pick it up off the shelf and they, oh, you know, it, it doesn't, they like to feel it sinking between the finger and thumb. They don't realize the pressure there is a few pounds compared to the weight of the impact hitting the ground at 10 miles an hour. It's a lot greater. So yeah, the resilience can be way different. Yeah, hugely greater. Plus, okay, I, I, I didn't even get into the whole discussion about materials research into foams. Okay, when I, was, I first looked at foams before I, you know, like right mm. around the same time that I was doing the air, that high volume air. Um, but if you take one of those stress balls, you know, mm -hmm. and squeeze it, um, come back real quick, sorry about that. If you take one of those stress balls and squeeze it, okay, it's, it's soft, soft, hard, okay? You put it on a table and it's soft, soft, hard, soft, soft, yeah. hard, okay? So is your midsole, 
So is your midsole yeah. foam on your shoe. It's soft, soft, hard. And, and what I discovered from the biomechanical test papers is your body hates, hates nonlinearity, exponential yeah. loading, okay? It wants it to be very linear, okay? It wants to be firm, 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 all the way down, all the way up, okay? Um, and shoes don't do that. Foam shoes just simply don't do that, and that's a problem. And, and that was why the minimalist craze caught on for a while, because people were trying to get away from, you know, that damping effect of the midsole foam, okay? Um, but mm. then, then, okay, your hokas came out, right? And they're big and thick, and, and they're trying to keep you in the soft, soft range. Yeah. Okay, and, which makes perfect sense, and they're lovely shoes for foam, you know? But back to this guy, okay, it's very vertically compliant with a useful amount of suspension travel, but at the same time, and it's very linear. We've measured these and they're like ruler straight linear, okay? Um, but it's also very, very firm. You know, for, for the full, for the deep suspension travel on this thing, you know, you, you, it's, it's, it's very firm, but at the same time, because it's, it's very compliant vertically, this is getting yeah. maybe too techy because no, 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 it is, fine. It, uh, so it, it, um, it, it feels, it feels like the belt. It feels mm. like, it feels like floating. It feels like you're being suspended. And I guess it takes out any lateral instability as well. Uh, that, that's, that's the ski racing engineering coming in. Yeah. yeah. It, it's very laterally stable. Yeah. And we've seen that in slow motion with people on, on treadmills, you know, um, we've come up with a lot of, you know, tweaks and tricks and tuning uh, for this kind of a shoe, this full suspension shoe. We, we, we know how to tune it now. And, and the whole notion of, you know, types of shoes, uh, cushioning, uh, motion stability, motion control, mm. that all goes away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The shoe, because, because, you know, the shoe adapts to your gait, your biomechanics. And there's obviously you got you got the, the heel and forefoot unit. Was am I right in thinking that the the forefoot unit isn't it's not stuck down? It flexes. Okay, here's our here's our production shoe. Yeah. Right. Here's here's the shoe that we're going to be selling in the Kickstarter. Yes. Um, uh -huh. And so you've got the heel suspension unit, uh, yep. a longer, a little bit lower. Uh, four foot suspension unit and, and statically there's about a nine millimeter drop. Okay. Mm -hmm. yes. heel to four foot. But then, okay. So you, 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 you land on the heel, if you're a heel striker um, or you land on the midfoot, if you're a midfoot striker and depending on where your pressure comes in uh, this thing is actually variable drop. Okay. Mm -hmm. It only gives you as much as you need. Um, you take what you need, you know, and then as mm -hmm. your as your body transitions from the entry to the midfoot, the heel extends and it doesn't bounce you upwards. It preloads the forefoot. Yes. The heel extends and like a little teeter totter, it preloads the forefoot. And then as you roll forward, okay, onto the ball of your foot, it hinges. Okay, yeah, that's, that's what I was interested in, the hinge. You know what I was saying to uh, the Althea, Alfie um, last week about that issue. I didn't realize the, the hinge was built in, but yeah, it makes perfect sense because that's the stress point for the takeoff. Well, and, and there's, a, there's some trickery going on. You know, we, 
we use that to help cam you, you know, mm. like a cam to, to roll you out of the stride. And at the same time, the forefoot suspension is dumping the energy that it collected, accumulated. It's dumping that back into your exit. Okay. Mm. And so it, 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 it propels you into, yeah. into the next stride. And what's it and what's it NK? Is that like just a compression molded EVA there? Okay, so the, the this the whole midsole? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just EVA. Right. Just regular, lightweight, nothing special. EVA. It's only oh. it's there, it's there for positioning. Yes. Okay. Like and you know, a little, you know, a little stability. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the only part of it that you use for any actual cushioning is is the toe as you roll off of it. Yeah. And what's the weight of the shoe then? This one, okay, we only have two pairs of these uh, out, of the, out of the factory, okay, right now. This one's uh, 15.4, but we put on a sports car styled outsole, you know, like a sports car motorcycle tread, um, mm -hmm. and it's heavy. The next pairs that we're, cut, that we're getting, we, we've cut over an ounce out of the outsole, and it'll be, it'll be, um, down in the low 14s and for production, I think we'll get into the high 13s. Right. But, okay, the small sizes are proportionately heavier than the larger sizes because, you know, this is a size nine. Because it's got space. Right? Yeah. Because the technology is the space, isn't it? Well, the and, empty. <laughs> and, and just like a bicycle where you can make a small frame for a woman and a large frame for a man, but the wheels are still the same, 700C, yeah. you know? or 650 or whatever, um, the suspension elements, at least at first, are going to be the same in, in all of our shoes. Okay. In all of our shoes. So uh, a small man's shoe will have these suspension elements and, and my 11 and a half will have the same suspension elements. And so okay. the heavier sizes, the smaller sizes look heavier, you know, but yeah. because of the energetic return, the energetic thrust of the suspension, um, they run, the feel is that it runs it easily two to three ounces lighter than it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it counters that. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's a very interesting concept and it is something that immediately visually it's striking. And yeah. I think it interests people. They think, well, you, I mean, it looks springy. So people want to try it. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's, that's the, that's the chicken and egg. That's the conundrum of, of um, launching with a Kickstarter, you know? Mm. We would love to launch with, with thousands of pairs in inventory and just and, and, and have you showing me the one you have and telling me how you like it. And, and Paul, I, I think I'm told that you're a nine and a half. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna do everything we can to get a pair into your hands. Even the, yeah. even the even the pre-production. I have been in touch with you previously via the uh, via Instagram and an email. Yeah, yeah, I write with Athletics Weekly as well. It yeah. is interesting. I think I mean I've worked with some brands um, a few years ago, and with new shoes of a new concept, particularly they do work very well at like marathon expos, you know, at like London Marathon and the the New York and Chicago expos when people can put them on and jump on a treadmill and just experience the feel of them. You know, that's, and that's, uh, that, that shoe is just, it, people will look at it and want to 
feel how it how it runs, you know. Well, and the crazy thing is, it's a little bit like if I'm holding up on this on this Zoom call a bowl of ice cream, saying, "Oh, this is some delicious <laughs> ice cream." Yeah, you really sure. have to, you know, experience this ice cream, and and easier yeah. if I could just hand it to you, you know. Mm. And we'll get there. We will get there. You know, this is just the beginning. Um, we kick the snowball down the hill, you know, get the Kickstarter rolling. It starts on Monday, the 25th. Um, we, you know, run that for two months. We collect the sales that we collect, and then we go out and use that funding, you know, to not only fulfill the shoes that were ordered, but to get some inventory. Yes. And then we can, order, then we can ship them out when people call. Well, um, where would they be manu manufactured? Okay, China. we're working, one of the keys or, you know, one of the enhancements in going to production from, from, um, from the previous hand-built prototypes that we did or, or limited runs that we did for wear testing, things like that, biomechanical mm -hmm. testing. Uh, we've proven, by the way, that this shoe burns systemically less oxygen than a conventional foam shoe. We haven't even gotten into that, but yeah, we've, we've proved it in the lab that it, it, um, has some secret sauce that really is working but one of the things that one of the things that is our goal was our goal in going from limited run to production was to get a fully anatomic last right okay a, a, a last that followed the contours of your actual foot and there, there's some there's some some real benefits from that um, in terms of the energy coming out of the forefoot into the big toe now, because the big toe is very square as it, as it launches into the next stride. And, and so when we were looking for lasts, um, there's only a few companies that do that right now, you know, Topo, Alta, Ultra. Um, and there's a South Korean brand, Trexta, that, that does an anatomic last. And we reached out to Trexta and said, hey, can we use can we use one of your lasts as a starting point for our shoe? And they said, yeah, you know, that's intriguing. You know, we sent them pictures of the suspension and all that. And they said, sure. And we had to sign a fairly hefty NDA, you know, uh, not to disclose their, their intellectual property, but, you know, they loaned us a last, we digitized it, we modified it for suspension. And now with, with Jones and Vining, uh, which is one of the top last makers, and our last designer is a Boston marathoner himself. You know, so we had a lot of input into this. Um, and so we're working with Trexta in South Korea, and then they are going to be building the shoes in China. Okay, cool. You know, wherever. Do you, have a, do you have a target that you have to meet a certain number of pairs to, to get them off the ground, you know, for a commitment it's, from? It's, it's, it's not a huge number. You know, it's like, it's like uh, a minimum run is a couple thousand pairs. Right. You know, so, and then so all being well. What's that? So, you know, with a, with a good following wind, you should hit that on um, Kickstarter, you think? I do. I do. Cool. Yeah. And then we're going to go from there to, you know, to order additional inventory uh, to get them out to channels like you, you know, to have them when people, when people call in. Yeah. Wanting the shoe. And, so, and, and summer. What's that? So by the summer, really? Yeah, summer, late summer. Yeah. You know, it takes about six months to, to get in the pipeline, in on the schedule, you know, yeah. and, then, and then get your shoes fulfilled.
So maybe for Chicago next time, Chicago I, Marathon. I, I would, I would <laughs> hope so. I've run, I've run 21 marathons total and 16 Chicago's, and I would love oh, to. Oh right, okay. Yeah. So you'll do your next marathon in a pair of your shoes, production I've done, models. I've done 10 marathons. I've done 10 marathons. In oh, in the in the prototypes. In different versions of these, yes. Wow. Yeah. And so and so I I I can barely stand to run in regular shoes these days. <laughs> it, it's it's painful. You know, it's just it's 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 not the same experience. It's yeah. like always going out with with always going out with with uh, flat tires on my bike. So and and obviously when did the carbon when did you go from I'm I'm assuming the first ellipses were fiberglass. Yeah. And when when did you move into carbon fiber? Um, we were working, we've worked with a couple of different larger brands in the past. And with one of those brands, uh, we did about a hundred pairs of shoes as prototypes. And in those, we wanted to see, you know, how, how far we could tweak the performance. And we, we did carbon suspension on those and mm -hmm. liked it and liked it. There's just a, you know, there's a little additional pop. Yeah. How do they isn't how do they manufacture it into the ellipse? There's no seam in there, is there? Um, here, let me get a. Uh, here's one. Here's one no one's seen before. Uh, kind of you know some of our secret sauces in this, even more lateral stability and that sort of thing. Um, no, this is wound around a mandrel. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but for production, we're still we're still debating a couple different methods of building these things. You know, after, after all this time, we have lots of ways of building these things, mm. you know, and some are better than others for, you know, linearity, some are better than others for uh, lateral stability, you know, and then there's always the different costing. Yeah. Some scale better to large production, that sort of thing. Mm. And I'm guessing in the long term, the, the, you can tailor, once you get the full, kind of the, the tolerances of the, the sizes of the ellipse, you can then tailor it to different sizes and different styles of shoes, perhaps. Maybe a exactly. heavy duty training shoe, lighter racing shoe. Um, the, 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 okay, so the, the going to runners first, as we are, and athletes, is, is because they are so quick to grasp, you know, the potential of, of a new design. You know, yeah. they're, the, they're the early adopters, right? Uh, the low-hanging fruit. Um, but this, this midsole, okay, this midsole design is for anybody who gets fatigued, you know, being on their feet all day. And, and, and you know, uh, eventually, you know, eventually we'll get to putting this into, you know, hiking boots and work boots and and you know the things you would wear throughout your day if you work in a warehouse or a restaurant or a teacher or a yeah. nurse yeah everybody and it's not just athletes that we want to help with this um lots of people we've gotten a lot of inquiries and and some of those testimonials are on our website already we've, we've shipped shoes out to people who experience chronic pain mm. You know, like from uh, everything all the way up, you know, ankle, plantar fasciitis, ankle, shin splints, uh, knee pain, cartilage pain, knee replacements, 
um, hip replacements, hip pain, hip degeneration, uh, arthritis, um, lumbar pain, spinal stenosis, all those things, you know, you and I as runners were blessed that, that we can get out and, and move easily. A lot of people have trouble going to the mailbox, you know, yeah, going from their car to, you know, to the, to their job and then walking around inside their job. And, and we've gotten a lot of feedback from people who stand on their feet all day that, that, that there could be some real pain relief in these. Mm. And so, and I'm, I'm assuming then the durability of it is, is pretty much endless, isn't it? It doesn't lose any of its, the, the, only, the only durability comes from the, the, the outsole where, yeah, so it retains a constant feel. You're very perceptive. You're very perceptive. Yeah. I, have, I have one pair of these that I've personally logged and put over 800 miles on. Yeah. You know, and, and the way that, that some car brands, you know, uh, you know, they ha they highlight uh, the mileage, like this particular, this one car that this guy's owned has a million miles on it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Volvo. I think, <laughs> I would, yeah, Volvo, you know, I would love to highlight, I would love to highlight the, uh, the people who got, the first person who gets more than a thousand miles on their shoes, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and we're going to tell everybody, you know, you get your shoe goo, you know what shoe goo is, right? Yeah, it's not as popular. It, it was it was a kind of a popular thing in the eighties in the UK, but I think they, you, they still do it in the states, do they? Oh, you you can still get it. You know, you you can. It's 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 almost. <laughs> but it has a hazard. Comes with a hazard mask now. I think for yeah, the fumes. You want to do it outside or in a well ventilated. <laughs> um, but you know, you 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 scrub the bottom a little bit with some alcohol and put a layer of uh, blue painters tape on here and squirt some down you know like this this outside rear corner the heel the outside yeah. the heel um is going to be the highest wear area and we're putting a high carbon a quality high carbon rubber on there okay mm. to, to give you the most mileage but if you do start to wear down to the uh to the yellow layer underneath it you know the colored yeah. layer that's that's colored so that it'll, it'll alert you you yeah. know we're going to tell you you know um you can either go buy a new pair of shoes if you want or you can clean this up and put some shoe goo on it and, and get another few hundred miles. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, the, 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 the composites don't, don't wear like foam does, you know? Yeah. And, and the tail end, I, I, having run 21 marathons and tens of thousands of miles of training, okay? The tail end of a pair of shoes that you like, you know, like once you get up close to 400 miles, they will actually hurt you, mm. you know? I feel it in my knees first, you know, other people, other people reported in their plantar, you know, or yeah. their, or their yeah. calves. But for me, it's always my knees starting to twinge. Mm. Like, oh, darn, I got to replace the shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it looks great. It's, um, it's very exciting. It's a, and it, it is a genuinely interesting concept. Um, like I say, you know, I'm, sh I'm sure it'll have a lot of interest and it goes live next week, does it? It does next Monday, next Monday. And when I mentioned running 21 marathons, I did that all with CARA, uh, Chicago Area Runners Association. Mm -hmm. So I was, a, I was a pace group leader for the 10 minute pace group, you know, fully mid-pack, yeah. right? Uh, mid-pack people. Um, and I did that for 17 years with those folks. So I've taught hundreds of people how to run marathons, including, including my wife, you know, uh, yeah. we got married out of, out of, meeting her and my pace group 
Um, and in that time, I've seen so many people with so many kinds of injuries, you know, um, that I've always felt, you know, I wish there was a better tool, a better tool to, to you know, help people get over that hump of increasing their mileage from whatever they do coming in to a full marathon. Mm. And this is that tool. And, and in, you know, and, and the performance is kind of a spinoff benefit. And I would love to explore that one day, you know, like build a racing flat. I would love to get yeah. a chance to do that uh, because my own PR, you know, in nine previous marathons before I ran this shoe in a first, in the very first time in a marathon, my own PR was 438. And the very first time with the exact same training, you know, the CARA program every year, with the exact same training, the first time I ran this in a marathon, I cut 15 minutes off my marathon PR, 6% uh, down to 423. So I felt like I was getting off into the weeds with some of the, the, the um, detail of the history. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I thought it was all good stuff. It was all interesting. <laughs> okay. okay. I thought, you know, the thing is, people, people listening to this type of podcast, they are genuinely interested in, in any kind of shoes, you know, and they, 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 they just love the backstory as well, I think. So, yeah, don't worry about that. Okay. You know? Okay. If you're happy, <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, that's cool. I ran, I ran Chicago actually in 2002. Okay. It was, the, it was, it was that one of your, did you do that one? You that put it on. Very, okay. Let me, let me show you. Hang on. Um, I had built, I had built shoes with, I had built shoes with, um, you know, a much smaller, um suspension element that i wasn't really happy with and mm -hmm. once i was able to start building you know the 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 bigger ones um with the increased torsional stability i put those into a shoe and my my fiance who became my wife was in florida working uh it was uh you know chicago was uh on a sunday and i think it was Thursday night, um, I'm, I'm working on the shoe, you know, I'm cutting pieces for the shoe. And I ran my thumb, I ran my thumb right through the table saw, <laughs> you know, cutting some foam, ran it right through the table saw and I've got it wrapped. I, and, and there's this like blood striped up and down my t-shirt and I, I <laughs> peel it off and I'm wrapping it on my hand and I'm holding it up and I call her and I'm like, I just, you know, did this. And she's like, okay, go to the ER. You know, you sound like you're in a little bit of a shock. Um, <laughs> that was Thursday night. Um, and you I, said, but I've got to finish the shoe. <laughs> well, and, and I was mostly done. I was most, I think it was Wednesday night. And I was mostly done. The next day I finished gluing it together. And here it is. Wow. Here it is. It was, it was, a, it was a new balance that I, um, that I enjoyed at the time. I'd, I'd worn several pairs of those. And, you, and, and that was 2002, was it? 2002. That was the very right. first year, um, and the you know the poster behind me is the 25th anniversary uh, poster from Chicago Marathon from 2002. Wow! It was the year that Paula Radcliffe did the, the ladies' world record. In it, I you know, and she's you know she's just such a yeah. such and I I saw her speak there. Uh, yeah. She was so gracious, you know. 
Just I kept up with her till mile 18, and then then I could have done with some springs on my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 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 okay, so so back to the story. You know the 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 um, you know when I said that at the very tail end of before the uh, video cut, and now we're going to edit that back together. Um, I said I had cut, you know, I'd gone from 438 to 423, cut 15 minutes, 6% off, but that doesn't really tell the whole story, okay? I'm, I'm mm -hmm. wearing this shoe, okay? This, this very first prototype that I had built two days previously and put myself into the ER for, um, blood, sweat, and tears, literal. And in Chicago, you know, you remember you were there, Paul, the, 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 a big race. It's a crowded race, 30,000 mm. plus people in 2002. Now it's up to 45,000 with a lottery. And you, you, you don't want to move through the crowd. You don't want to have to go, do lateral moving through yeah. the crowd. If you've got it, if you've got the, the ability, you want to do forward, diagonal mm. moving through the crowd, you know? And in this marathon, compared to the nine previous marathons I'd done, um, it felt like I had, you know, the gas, it felt like I had the acceleration to move up through the crowd diagonally to better my position, you know, to, to get set up for the corner coming up, you know, to yeah. move out of this, move around this group, group of slower runners or, you know, people walking abreast, you know, which you get a lot of that in Chicago. Um, it, it, and by the time I got to the halfway mark, I, I'm looking at my watch, you know, uh, thinking, this is this is good pace for me, you know. I'm 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 moving along briskly, and I feel pretty. It's the half marathon. I feel pretty fresh. I feel fresher than I ever have, and so I thought I'll pick up the pace a little bit. The shoe seems to be holding together, you know. I'm holding together. It's a nice day. Um, let's go. And so I, I picked up the pace and ended up running a negative split, a faster second half of the marathon than the first half, and my last mile was fastest of all. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and that experience crossing that finish line, it's like, you know, Paula Radcliffe had nothing on me that day. I felt, I felt, you know, like I could, like I was running at that level. I felt like that crowd, you know, and Chicago's always frustrating because you can see where the leaders are. You just have to look up to see where the helicopters are. Uh -huh. You know, it's like, oh, they're, already, they're going south. The leaders are going south. We're still going north, you know, <laughs> you know. But I, 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 it was a, it was a PR, but, but it felt like, you know, it was the most enjoyable marathon experience I ever had, and I thought, man, if I could, if I can take, you know, if I can take this ugly hand-built shoe, and replicate this and get it out there and give that experience to everyone else who wants that in a marathon, it's really gonna, you know, change some lives, mm. you know, it's gonna be awesome. Cool. And here we are. That's it, it sounds obviously from a just from a feel standpoint, it sounds like it's a lot more of an enjoyable ride. Um, I wanted to ask you about the performance. You mentioned you did some there's been some scientific studies on it and stuff. I just wanted to get delve into that if that's OK, like the performance aspect of the shoe and how scientifically it sort of changes. Uh, and obviously you mentioned oxygen and stuff like that. So I was just wondering if you could go into a bit more detail on that side of things. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mentioned all the way back at the beginning that I was writing off to people for their, for their biomechanical test reports. Yeah. And one of the guys that I hooked up with fairly early on was Dr. Ben O'Neig. 
at the University of Calgary in Alberta. And he's, he's you know, perhaps the premier running biomechanist, you know, out there today. And um, when I had, when I actually finished that marathon and then I found people, we started a company and we're making shoes for biomechanical testing now. We, that was the first volume batch we made, 50 pairs. And we're going to use these for biomechanical testing and to, you know, seed them out to people to try. Um, I contacted Benno, Dr. Nig, and said, what's the most difficult test to, to, to prove that the shoe is doing something useful for you? And he said, oh, Len, of course, systemic oxygen consumption. That's the most difficult needle to move, you know, in any kind yeah. of testing. And, um, and so, you know, we arranged a test and I flew up to Calgary and we had the shoes and I had a duffel bag full of shoes and we had all the test runners arranged and we bought, I think it was a New Balance shoe, you know, a, a leading marathon trainer, you know, and we ran all those people on treadmills that day, you know, uh, some, you know, the first, the first group, half of them with our shoe, half of them with the, the test shoe, the control shoe, and then we swapped, you know, uh, for the next run the next you know uh, uh, go at it and they're measuring gas in gas out and no one's expecting anything to happen no one's expecting anything to happen because you know one of the one of the test uh administrators was saying yeah everybody brings their shoes here to do this you know they're thinking they're going to change the world and and it doesn't work you know and the joke was how do you reduce systemic o2 consumption it's easy sit down okay get off the yeah. treadmill um, but to do, you know, to be running on the treadmill, the same pace, the same day, the same person, um, all you're changing is shoes, you know, you might see a 10th of a percent of difference or two tenths. We, we proved, and that was with this shoe. This, this is the, this is the, this is the, the first shoe we built in any volume. Okay. Um, we proved the shoe measured out at 2.2% reduced systemic O2 consumption compared to a leading foam shoe. And they were, the, the researchers were amazed. It's like, it's like, well, does, you know, is that a big number? You know, is that a, a meaningful number? It's like running 0.6 miles of a marathon less. Yeah. You know, and think about it, but, but, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that because Where's the O2 savings coming from? You know, what's making it happen? It's reduced workload on the, uh, on the large muscle groups, the calves, the, the hamstrings, the quads, the glutes, the low back. Those are working a little less hard and thus you're burning a little less oxygen. But, but the implications of that, you're also burning less glycogen Okay, which is hard to replace. You can't replace it. It takes a couple of days to replace all the muscular glycogen that you burn in a marathon, right? Um, that's the wall that everyone hits. You know, when you run out of muscular gly glycogen, now you've got to burn fat, you know, and your gait, your gait turns into a, you know, stumbling into the finished <laughs> shuffle, you know, or it degrades. Um, but in that marathon, I never, I never felt that way. I just, I just cruised on home. You know, so there's a lot of implications in this um, mm. that I would love to get a chance to explore in much more detail, you know, yeah. in a lab setting.
you know, like, um, like, go ahead. Sorry, no, go, you go ahead, it's fine, sorry. Well, like, like proving, you know, like, like the, I would love to do O2 with our, our production shoe. I would yeah. love to do O2 comparison with our production shoe against, you know, both a high-end current trainer, but then also maybe against one of these other carbon shoes. Yeah. You know, and, and see how, how do they compare? Um, I, I might have missed it there because I was looking up a comparison. W what percentage change um, is it roughly, do you know, from oxygen consumption? You mean in, in our shoe? Yeah, yeah. 2.2% reduction compared yeah. to a leading, a leading foam shoe at the time. Yeah. Which, which is significant. It's, a, it's like a, a, a level of magnitude bigger than anything you could normally get. And now, okay, so people always ask me, well, what about this? What about the Vaporfly shoe? You know, how do you compare to that? And that's like comparing, you know, um, that's like comparing a family sedan to a, to a sports car. You know, yeah. it's, that's a highly refined, highly developed design for, you know, racing flat. Um, and ours is a trainer. Ours is a trainer that, you, that anyone could wear to go around the block. Um, so, and, and how does theirs work? I don't really know. I've run in them, you know, and Dr. Ben Onig has researched them and he's on our website offering his opinion about how they work. You know, something, something, about, the, uh, something about the rocker and the plate, you know, and, and, mm. and using that as you go off, off the toe yeah. um, and, and, and working in conjunction with that high resiliency foam that they have. Yeah. Um, what, well, I, I, I don't think that shoes for your average runner, you know, whereas ours is, is going to be. Well, like you said, that. sorry. I would, to, I would love to build a racing flat, though. Well, yeah, well, like you said there, it's, it's compared to the Vaporfly or the Adidas, Adios, um, they're highly defined racing shoes. And I've, I was looking up a comparison of the Vaporfly and from the leading standard shoe compared to though obviously this leading standard shoe and then their shoe it was between 1.9 and 3 percent of change so i mean if your shoe is was did you say two point something percent change 2.2 so i mean that's in the range and we're talking a we're talking a super shoe what's been highly defined for racing so to even be in the same range as that shoe on oxygen consumption levels is is something well, that was a much earlier version of our shoe, you know. Yeah. Uh, that had that had the glass suspension, you know, not the carbon. Um, I think if we were to try to do a shoe to compete at that level, I think we could maybe give them a run for their money, you know. I mean, it's impressive. I'd, I'd love to get a chance to try. It's, it's very impressive, and it's exciting as well because it's something that's never, never really been seen before at all. Like they always talk about. People always used to joke about um, when she, super shoes came along that you're running on springs and et cetera. Whereas this one is like the first shoe white site sort of got rid of the redundance of the standard shoe and sort of revolutionized it, which is, which is like you said earlier as well, very interesting. A lot of people be wanting to try it out to see how it feels. Cause it's something completely new, which I think's very exciting and also a great unique selling point as well. When here's, here's the crazy thing. Here's the, here's a crazy thing. Um, we, we visited the CEO of a, of a well-known running company at one point and we're in his office, you know, describing and, and I think, I think the shoe we had at the time was, 
I think the shoe we had at the time was the 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 shoe we used for the O2 testing. Yeah. And which which you know there's a lot of improvements since then. Um, and their atrium in their building was like a little eighth mile track, you know, the, the, that everyone's office walked out onto. It was kind of cool. Um, and a guy walks past and he goes, hey, come on in here. Come in here. He goes, don't even look at the shoe. He goes, just lace it on and go for a run. And the guy laces the shoes on and he heads out the door, um, hits the track, you know, and we're watching and we're standing at the front of the office and he hits the back stretch and he really kicks it into gear. And he comes around again and he's, he's like, give me a second. And then he, he does another lap and he comes back and he's like, he's like, this thing is amazing. This is really cool. And, and the, the CEO goes, okay, now look at it. And he looks at it, you know, he looks at it and he goes, holy cow, it's a mechanical shoe. It's not foam. He goes, I, I could not tell the difference because it just felt like the best, you know, material I've ever run on. Yeah. And, and, and that's the goal. You have to be able to do that with any new design of shoe, um, not simply to keep the existing shoe you know, users happy, but the biomechanics won't work. You can't save any O2 if there's anything about it that doesn't contribute to efficiency. You know, If it feels funny or if it's got some weird little hitch in mm. the gate, it's gonna kill the efficiency. Yeah. And it doesn't. It just flies you along. It's crazy. It's, it's, a, shoe of the, it's a shoe of the future. I, I, I wanted to ask you as well, um, the Kickstarter, obviously the 25th, Monday the 25th. Is that right? Is that the correct dates yeah, and days? Um, what sort of price point are you looking at for the Kickstarter and sort of what are your sort of goals? Like obviously the Kickstarter goal is the main goal, but do you look to exceed that goal by a certain amount or what are sort of your plans going into that Kickstarter? Okay, so anyone who's ever been involved with engineering projects, you know, if you've ever built something substantial, something complex, and, and you know, the, the, the whole upper of this and the midsole are pretty straightforward. It's just, it's a shoe, you know, and it, it's well known how to build good shoes now in the world. The suspension elements, however, have never existed before it, 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 at production volumes. And so the more of them we can sell, the more pairs we can sell during the Kickstarter, the more money we can pour into really bulletproofing the engineering, you know, really hardening the engineering and, and drilling into, um, you know, the linearity and the, and the, you know, durability and all those things. And so we were calling the shoe, you know, because you're buying it, not only you're buying a shoe and effectively a racquetball racket, you know, you're buying both those things in the shoe. We're calling it a $300 shoe retail, but the Kickstarter is going to start, I believe, you know, they've got early bird specials and things that are going to be under 200, you know, which is go get that one, um, that tier, you know, and then, and then, I, then they're going to go up, you know, two and a quarter, 250, stuff like that. Well, I mean, you get a lot of shoe, like you said, we spoke about durability, like, you'd have to buy two shoes for this for the same durability and that's well, there's also that green factor you know you're throwing away half as many shoes too yeah you know if it's last if it's lasting twice as long you know and if you're that guy like the volvo guy you know if you're that guy who's going to shoe go it and and get all the miles out of it you know you could really 
you could really, you know, you could buy one pair of shoes every every year or something, you know, every couple of years. Who knows? That would be crazy. Like, I guess that's the big, biggest thing as well. We get a lot of people ask what shoe I can't, I can't afford many shoes. I'd rather just have one shoe to do a lot of running in. And I guess that's sort of the shoe people are looking for. Cause at the minute there's nothing I would really recommend because durability will go twice as quick. So I'm always like, you're better off buying two shoes and having the durability be longer. Whereas in this case, the durability is a lot longer and it is probably a shoe what you could wear in multiple scenarios as well. I, 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 you know, that's been my own personal experience. Absolutely. And, you know, I was that guy who had two pairs of shoes and I would alternate them, you know, between runs, you know, just to give one pair a little bit of a rest, you know, and, and try to get them to last twice as long, you know, the, 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 the two pairs. And I would, I would always buy shoes in pairs like that. Yeah. And I don't think you have to, I don't think you really have to with this. Um, to be honest, I, I think I'd want to buy, I think I'd want to buy that shoe in pairs just so I could have two at that Kickstarter price. So maybe, might buy 10. I know. And, and finally, I just, I just want to ask you before we close up this podcast, 10 year plan, sort of what, where do you want to get this to? Um, and where do you sort of want to take it after the Kickstarter and sort of moving forward? Okay, so, so on the athletic side of things, one of the messages that I've heard countless times, you know, in all the years that I was training marathoners and all the years I was doing research, every, you know, there's, there's this, there's this, you can't have your cake and eat it, you know, if you're, if you're an age grouper, if you're a competitive athlete, it's like, you can either do quality training or a high volume of training, but you can't do both because you're going to, you're going to blow up, right? You're going to get injured. Well, if we build this right, I think you'll be able to do quality training and a fairly high volume of training and like get yourself to the next level. Okay. That's the athletic side. Um, before the athletic side though, you know, for, for like the high BMI people. Okay. And I, the, you get a lot of those starting marathon programs, a lot of those people who want to lose some weight, you know, who want to gain fitness, cardio. Um, the, 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 the research, the biomechanical research will tell you that, you know, if, if, you're, if you've got a high BMI and you try to jog or run, uh, there's like a, a, an internal sensation of discomfort in the organs, okay? Uh, there's a word for that, nociception. And we've had lots of feedback when we, you know, when we've been with other companies that high BMI athletes like this because there's less of that internal sense of unease. Okay, so I, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to starting on one end of the spectrum all the way to the other, I want to get people out of the house going around the block, you know, with this shoe. Um, I want the mobility impaired who have chronic pain to gain, you know, to gain some peace of mind with this shoe. And I, I'd like all the all the actual runners, you know, to be able to increase their mileage or increase their pace or both or their training volume with this shoe. Um, and then ultimately, you know, I'd like to take on the, uh, the vapor flies of the world. Oh, and then, and then the, last, uh, the last category that, that encompasses all of them, uh, I wanna build shoes in every kind of uh, category, you know, for wearing in your normal life and wearing at work and wearing on the job site. Um, you know, because, you know, you hit the end of the week 
after a long hard week and you're just beat to pieces, you know, where's your quality of life in that? It's like, let's leave everyone fresh so that they can have a good weekend and come back on Monday happier. Yeah. Hopefully you could move on to designing better work chairs then as well, because sitting down in an office all day is, is not nice. Yeah. But yeah, I, I get that 100% because at the minute, like I've said, this shoe technology, obviously in the running world has progressed a bit in the last 10 years or five years, but it's kind of been kind of redundant in a sense for a long time, like just standard shoes as well. It's normally just midsole uh, and then upper and that's it. It's just foam usually a very stiff foam what's not very flexible in the majority of stylish shoes or day-to-day shoes and a lot of people get injuries or get like shin splints or issues from just walking around in bad shoes so i think that's something very interesting and it also transfers across to people trying to run for the first time they've probably already got issues because of the shoes that they're wearing and i know a lot of people who run and go oh i stopped because my knees are hurting because or whatever so i think that's something that could definitely help a lot of people sort of get into the sport as well Exactly. Well, and, and everything has everything has benefited from composites, you know, all your all your good bike frames are composite now. And, you know, your skis have gotten tremendously better in the last couple decades, you know, and, and you you can't buy a golf club driver that's not a carbon fiber shaft anymore. You know, uh, all those things have benefited and we're still running on the same squishy foam, you know, yeah. It's time. It's time for it's time for composites to do something for for runners. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you have any any last closing thoughts on Paul? Paul, uh, do you want to? No, no, that yeah, but it, yeah, it's all it's it's all very good as we've already said. Yeah, and it is it is time for these new materials to to get involved in the in the footwear game in in a more um, effective manner than than they have been doing. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, um, architects, Mies van der Rohe, people like that talk about how the material should look like the material, you know, and you should, you know, you wouldn't build a skyscraper out of wood, it wouldn't work, you know, uh, that's that, but you know, you don't want to make that building look like a wood building, you want to make it look like steel and glass, you know, because that's the authenticity. Okay. Mm. Um, well, so now is the time, you know, to, to, to use carbon. Okay. But don't, you know, don't use it inappropriately. I mean, these, 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 these carbon foam hybrids, that's okay. That's cool. That's a stepping stone, you know, but, but look at this, look what you can do with actual carbon. You can get actual full suspension, you know, just like yeah. a mountain bike. Yeah. It's, it's actual physical engineering of the, of the product, isn't it? I know. I know. That's what's so exciting is to see yeah. that that big jump finally occur. Cool. Thank yeah, you. Well, fingers, fingers crossed. Oh, well. I, I'm sure it's. I'm. I, I'll watch with interest, but I'm sure it. I'm sure it will be very successful on the Kickstarter. I think it will. Well, and and you know, if 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 you want to advise your your followers, you know, to hop on the Kickstarter and sign up for the newsletter and buy the shoe, um, I I'm pretty sure they're going to be happy they did. Yeah. We're going to include, I'm going to do a little ad read or a little intro. Um, so I'll figure out any sort of the, all the details. Um, and then I, before the podcast starts, I'm going to do a little intro and basically just say, this is where you can get the shoe at the minute. And this is the plan. And just, and also I'm going to be looking to make a YouTube video on it as well, which I'm going to speak to awesome. uh, 
on Instagram. So yeah, thank well, you for coming and, on. And if you say, if you send, you know, email to our, um, the marketing address, Eric, who's our awesome operations guy, uh, he'll supply you with photos and video, anything you need, you know, to, to fill in or, 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 you know, B roll kind of stuff. Yeah. We've got a bunch of that. Oh, that's great. Actually, that, that'd be, that'd be really helpful. So yeah, yeah that's, that's perfect. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been great and it's very insightful speaking to you because yesterday I spoke with Tom Schwartz, who's obviously a very, very highly, uh, accredited coach and so it's very interesting again to speak to someone sort of in a different niche of the running world but it's it's great to hear from people who are knowledgeable in what they do and just passionate about what they do as well so thank you for coming on it's been very insightful and i, I can't wait for the 25th to start thank you, and then... guys. It's, it's been my privilege to be here with thanks, you thanks len thank you okay bye-bye